Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you had a great weekend. Always uh, excited for Mondays. I like Mondays because I think it gets us back into the swing, and I always like the swing. It's always good. I've got a great show. Patrick's going to join me in just a minute, and then the Monday afternoon mix, and then professor, theologian, philosopher, Ken Samples is going to come on the program. We're going to be talking about difference between uh, Christianity and Islam and some of the uh, problems that are going on in the Middle East. That'll be interesting. But Patrick is feeling good about himself today because he remembered to turn the clock back on the oven. So, Patrick, uh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, uh, it's, instead of saying 1201, <laughs> it says 11.01. <laughs> and does it stay there st- stuck for a year? This clock hasn't, the clock on the oven hasn't worked in years. I just, what I do, dutifully, I dutifully turn it forward and back <laughs> like I'm supposed to. Yeah. So, you know, I don't even know why. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I used, do you, do you like to use, you know, you like the smartphone technology, the old digital it. clock on your phone? Yeah. Love do it. you like the reminders? Do you use the reminders to, to tell you, oh, you got the, like, I'll, I'll set one, you know, um, we're on at four o'clock and I always like to have a heads up. So I always have one set for like three fifty nine ish Give you a 30 seconds of show prep. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, I always, I use like two word things, two word reminders. It'll say show prep. Three fifty nine. Like today I had a dentist appointment. Now my, my dentist appointment reminder I'll set for two weeks ahead of time. And the reminder will say, start flossing. Right. Because that way you don't have to lie to the dentist because they'll say, have you been flossing? And you can say, yes. Yes. You know what I, you know, Patrick, you know what I see when I go to the dentist? They ask me, when was the last time you flossed? I said, well, last time I was here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, they asked me, when was the last time you flossed? I said, in the parking lot before walking in. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my gums are so inflamed right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was very aggressive. I was just trying to get some of that, some of that, uh, those flax seeds. They just stick between yeah, the teeth. Yeah, they do. And I, they get large. Oh, yeah. They so, do. You were nice enough to send a little uh, video of your, your daughter, who's, is she 14? 14. Yeah, 14, playing guitar, singing, and she has no lessons and no formal training. And I was marveling at the way the human brain works because I love the way the brain works. And when you are that age, you have that wonderful firing going on in your brain, unlike any other time in life. And yeah. there's that 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 saying that what, what uh, fires together, wires together. And... So mm-hmm. our brain has this incredible capacity for creating these uh, neuronal ensembles. So if we think of an object, 
our brain will take all the little pieces of the object and put them all together and all of the elements will fire together. So if we think of, let's say, a pineapple, we can think of the big green stem and the brown outer covering and the little uh, things that come off the pineapple and then the, the, the rich yellow fruit on the inside. Our brain has assembled all of that and put it into one nice little neat package. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so good at that. You can just start describing a lemon, and people's mouths will start to salivate, right? Or from the tartness of the of the lemon, and you say, "There's no lemon here," right? But your brain is—it's just amazing what right. it can do. Now, but if you think of the image of a lion balancing a pineapple on his nose or her nose, uh, that's not an image you have ever created in your mind. But because you've got these. Yeah. Uh, uh, neuronal uh, ensembles that you've created in your brain and stored in the warehouse of your brain, you can call both of those up instantly and put the picture together and your brain can say, yep, I can see it, even though it's something you've never pictured in your mind before. Oh, and actually probably never experienced in real life because I don't know about you, <laughs> but very few lions will balance a pineapple on the tip of their nose. I know. I know. For entertainment or personal gain, there's really nothing in it for them. I know. So yeah. if we if we think of our of our frontal cortex of our brain, that's like the front desk. And Lou and Eddie are working mm-hmm. the front desk. And yeah. you come up and you say, What's what's Jerry's wife's name? And Lou goes, I'll go looking for it. <laughs> and right. and he goes back into the warehouse and he's looking around under boxes and he can't find it. So Eddie goes back and, and about an hour later Eddie finds it, right? Yeah. And you go, well, oh, it's you, Denise. Yeah. It's yes, the two of you may recall my old example of Gus and Joe, who they, they work the same warehouse, they have different <laughs> hours, yeah, than Lou and Eddie. Uh, but but usually it was just Gus. Gus worked alone, and you go to the counter and you ring the bell and say, "I have a request. I'm looking for whose first name? I'm looking for Denise's I, I, or yeah, the Jerry's the spouse of Denise. Yeah, Here, I'm looking for Jerry's, Jerry's wife's, wife's name. name. And, and Gus says. Warehouse is pretty full. We've got a lifetime of memories back here. Yeah. Give me a minute. And I'll be right back. <laughs> and he, he tends to waddle in the back. And of course, we're very impatient. And we, we keep ringing that bell. We ring that bell. And then Gus comes back and says, I, I was looking. What do you want? Yeah. Oh, I was looking for Jerry's wife's first name. Yeah, I was working on that. I know. If you could just leave. And it's funny how we, I think that's why when we forget about it for a minute, Gus who doesn't move as well as he used to. He's kind of got that <laughs> Uncle Joe at Petticoat Junction right. thing going. Moving kind of slow. Moving kind of slow. Yeah, at yes. the junction. At the junction. Yeah. Petticoat Junction. Uh-huh. He finally goes back there, he brings it forward, and then he presents you the information. You say, oh, yeah, it's, but it's it's all in there. That is what's amazing to me. It is all in there. And now, your brain can access it. Yes. Now there is... Put things together. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a string of neuron that goes from the frontal cortex back to the warehouse. Now, when you're younger, uh, this this myelon, which is this nerve, it's got like up to uh, yeah. many uh, layers of fatty covering. And that provides kind of the ability for uh, information to skyrocket back and forth. As you get older, Mm -hmm. that little myelin starts to get thinner and thinner, so the relay time isn't quite as fast. So when you sit there and go, what is the name of Jerry's wife? And you're just making yourself crazy. It's just because that that myelin isn't what it once was. Yeah, once again, that's Gus. (laughs) Yeah, that's Gus. 
he's moving kind of slow. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so it, it's, I was, I, I was actually studying that a while back um, on these neural networks. So let's say you're trying to learn a new skill, uh, say the banjo, something you and I have been working at in a somewhat haphazard fashion. For, <laughs> <laughs> just leave me out for, of it, would you, for once? For, I will. But uh, just like I and one of my close friends whose radio show I do on Mondays at four, <laughs> <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Okay, I appreciate point, that. Mostly because I cannot recall his name until Gus goes into the back <laughs> recesses of my memory and finds it. But mm-hmm. um, it, you, know, the, you start to do something, a repetitive skill, and you know your, your brain has to think through the process. And eventually it says, this seems to be something that this person is doing a lot. So why don't we just build these neural bridges and basically create a shortcut? So when the brain says, I want to do this, it says, we know everything to do. We know the muscles to fire. We know to make the left hand grab the second fret, the third string, and the right hand does this. And it's, an, it's, an, it's amazing as you, like, let's say, learn a musical instrument. You say, how is it that my body has just learned how to do this automatically? And it's those neural bridges and the neural networks. And so watching my daughter learn to play an instrument, of course, when you're younger, you can build these bridges. Maybe there's just not a, you know, my construction room is quite cluttered, let's say. Right. With, with, with many things that have been built and abandoned over the years. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I think uh, that's part of what, it, and with youth, there's more of this brain elasticity. It's just amazing to watch. I, you know, I, I would see her express frustration, saying, "It took me almost three hours to learn that song." <laughs> In the same song that took you six years to learn. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and then that, now I'm going to start working on the refrain. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the 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 myelin sheath that houses that that neurons from the frontal cortex back to the storage facility is working so well at a younger age. So the information flies mm-hmm. back and forth and just the, the ability of the brain to function and operate is spectacular. Now, many yeah. m- many might be asking, Bill and Patrick, where are you going with this? And I want to say- We don't know. We don't know yet, but we've got the break <laughs> we that we're looking forward to and then we can talk during the break as to how to salvage this segment. But I, I, <laughs> I, I believe where I, I want to go is- what uh, fires together, wires together. So when mm-hmm. you uh, have difficulty or struggle or anxiety, what do you have that fires with that? How about the peace of Christ? How about when you have anxiety, you have the comfort of your favorite psalm? So they're wired together. So when you have that initial surge of anxiety or, or, or fear or whatever, that it's paired with something from God's word that instantly connects the two together. I love that. Okay. Now, I'm not that, saying that, it's, that, it's that, easy, but it's going to take a little bit of work, like anything. But, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always pray continuously and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you're up against a very difficult day like many are having and you've got uh, some bad news or some circumstances that you're not happy with, uh, what about if paired with that bad thought was rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances? 
Well, I, not only do I love it, but what a, what a great way to start developing the habit of saying, if you're facing difficult circumstances, first place to turn to is the Bible. Yes. You know, but specifically you know, because, what in the Bible, Patrick? Well, I, you know, have you ever had that experience where sometimes you just grab the Bible, you're, you're full of anxiety over something and you specifically went to read but you sort of pop it open, and I don't want to make anything seem magical. I, it took me a long time to realize this. I used to think something magical happened because I could open the Bible anywhere and find comfort. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that it wasn't magic at all, that that's just how dense and full the Bible is, that you can open it anywhere and find comfort and probably find a way to apply it to what you're going through at this, at this moment. If, if only for the distraction that it takes you away from what you were going through. And then you start thinking more about biblical things, mm -hmm. I, but it, I, I used to think it was magical. Now I just realized, no, that's the beauty of this book. Yeah. So there, there are so many occasions in our days, starting with first thing in the morning, I know you're not a snooze guy. I'm not a snooze guy. I don't, you know, I don't no. hit the snooze button. The minute I open my eyes, I'm I'm ready to hit the floor and to get moving and get a cup of coffee and open my Bible and start my day. And so that is kind of an activity are that are wired together. So what's wired together fires together. So I, I don't think you, you're much the same way. You get up and you say, all right, it's time to get productive. And I, I sometimes yeah. I'm aware that when we have habits and, and things that have fired together, we just react quite reliably the same way every time, which is really a it's, good thing. Well, and it, it can also be, a, you know, a bad thing if they're bad habits. And maybe it's good to be aware of, hey, what is it that, you know, um, I think we've talked about this with people that suffer with addictions and, and you and I are both close to people that have gone through it. One of the first things they have to do is start changing like patterns because they, they realized that things were wired together, that they, that were wired together, were fired together. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, somebody that maybe has an alcohol problem, if they say, well, you know, I love to go to this one restaurant and I just happen to love when I get there, I want to sit at the bar and I want to have this drink. And then that's when it all starts to fall apart for me. It's like, well, first order of business, stop going there mm -hmm. as much as you may like it, because at least it will stop that triggering activity that you've wired together with. Maybe in the future, you can rewire going there to turn it into a healthy salad. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it is, things do go together. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it's just that we're trying to work very efficiently. Our brain says, well, we're here. This yeah. is what we do when we're here. Yeah. How many times have you heard this, Patrick, when somebody that you know will say, I've got to go have a, a coffee and what? Uh, well, you know, for me, it's coffee and Sudoku. I get that. <laughs> most no, people, but most yeah. people would, a lot of people in addiction would say. Coffee I, and donut. Well, coffee and cigarette. I got to have a coffee and a cigarette. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, There's a lot uh, of things that have fired together. And I, I want to say by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of these Things that are wired together can be separated and your brain can reimagine things because our brain has this, uh, this neuronal ensembles in our heads all ready to be used and utilized as long as you get to the front desk at the uh, prefrontal cortex and Lou and Eddie will help you. Yeah, or Gus. Or Gus. Yeah. I don't want to discount yeah. Gus. 
No, no. Gus and Joe. All right. You know. I think we've burned yep. through all of our material. We're going to take a break and we come back. I have no, <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Oh, perfect. Does it not make <laughs> you nervous? Because I'm a little anxious right now. It does make me a little bit uh, anxious, but um, I'm going to crack open my Bible and find some solace. And uh, then when we come back, I don't think I'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Patrick Albanese is my friend to get things started. I love getting started on a lighter note. A merry heart's like good medicine. I learned that in Proverbs. We'll be right back. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, I'm talking to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. And I was talking to Wyatt because I was obviously panicked because I know we're out of material. And he said... Uh, just talk about it again, because <laughs> it was so good. He loved it, and I'm going to trust oh, him. Wow, that's, yeah, I, I I trust him as well. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, and this is just a little because I always like to leave people with a little something to take home in that brown paper bag. Yeah, we're not done yet. We have another segment. No, here. I know. Did you know the average person is exposed to ten thousand advertising messages a day now? I, I did know that. You knew that. Yes. By the way, that was. That was brought to you by the local Home Depot. I just wanted you to know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go back to this original idea I had where our brains have a fully stocked warehouse for the most part uh, with information that we're able to retrieve, uh, not as fast as we once could because uh, there's no substitute for youth. And as as that that myelin sheath gets a little thinner uh, between the synapse, between your brain and the warehouse, the frontal cortex and the, and the warehouse where information is stored. I did mention in the first segment, Patrick, an image of a particular animal balancing a particular something. What was it? It was a lion balancing a pineapple on its nose. Okay, now you have Correct. never had that thought or that image in your brain ever, have you? No, I, do you remember Harry Lorraine had this? There was a guy this this great memory course. How do he would go into the Tonight Show and he'd meet everybody in the audience beforehand, and then he'd come out and he could recite. He could walk out in the audience and go, "There's Bob Johnson." There's, you know, he had everybody's name down. He knew things. He this amazing memory, and then you buy his course and he'd have a thing like, you know, here's how you remember this guy's name. Let's say his name is Mr. Bird. And you just have to remember that he's kind of, you imagine him as a bird and he had all these fancy things and they were great images. And I thought, I don't know many Mr. Birds. (laughs) (laughs) So this memory course was fantastic if I knew a guy named Mr. Bird. Right, right. And Mr., you know, know, Joe Monkey. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't work too well for me. Yeah. But you painted an image that, that it was an unusual image. And that was one of the things I remember from the course was that the more unusual the image, the more likely somebody would remember it. Uh, it if, if you ask me a week from now, you could say, I, I asked you a question. Now, uh, what, what animal was balancing a pineapple? I know I could come up with lion. If even if I said what, what animal and what was that animal doing? You would say, Oh, is that the lion with the pineapple? I don't think you'll ever forget yeah. that the rest of your life because your brain now has uh, wired those two together. It f- I fired a couple of images. 
your 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 brain was able to go to the warehouse and retrieve what a pineapple is and what a lion is, and they mm-hmm. they arrived at the front desk in perfect uh, harmony, and yeah, you then now have a mental picture of that, and you'll never forget it. So, well, they're they're stored as an original image in my head now. That's right. That's right. So they get a prominent place in the trophy shelf for a short period of time, right? Till till Gus moves them toward the back, but yeah. yeah. So it, 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 it's a it's, it's called a neuronal uh, ensemble, and hmm. I always try to have to be very careful when I say neuronal because it sounds like something else. But um, so now you've got this image yeah. that has been crafted and stored in your brain. So now you can access yeah. it whenever you want. So. Having said that, when we have an issue, an anxiety, a strife, a difficulty, a sadness, uh, a little despair, we can figure out a way to wire something to that from God's Word and have it fire together. So even though we're feeling that difficulty and that pain and that anxiety, we've got something alongside it called God's Word, God's Truth, that's firing along with it. You know, it's interesting, too, and I wonder if we're almost built from the factory, you know, uh, this way. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, sometimes when people, you know, uh, let's say you're driving and your vehicle starts to spin out of control and you, you know, you grab the steering wheel tightly as you were trained to do. But your thought often goes, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it, it has always been true for me that your thoughts go to God. You're like, please help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is it, it, it. Just instantaneously, you went right to the source and said, uh, "Help, help, help me, God." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, so I, I don't know. Maybe we're just really wired to be that way. Yeah. It's gotten clouded. You know, the the warehouse, as you know, gets full. Um, when you and I. It, you and I have had similar long before we knew each other. We had, we, we even owned the exact same car back in 1985. Exact same color of the exact same car. The exact same color. The exact same, it was apparently the vehicle of young <laughs> who could, who could not afford much. <laughs> who wanted to have what looked like a sports car, but couldn't afford a real sports car. Right. It was a sports car sans sport. Right. <laughs> um, one of the things I think, because we're both about the same age, is we, we would say all of my worldly possessions fit in this two-seater hatchback vehicle. Anything mm-hmm. that's important to me. Mm-hmm. Because when you're young and simple, just like a young person learning something, that brain has just got all this capacity, all this room. And you say, just you just kept accumulating stuff because you had plenty of storage. And you get older and you'd say, well, I could not live out of that little car anymore. In fact, I need a couple of warehouses. <laughs> and I think, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why it's harder to access information is because you're just sorting through so much clutter that you've accumulated over your life. All, mm. you know, 10,000 advertising messages a day yeah. for all those years. You know, which is why you can, you know, finish a commercial jingle. Uh, I I don't have to work too hard, but if I say, "Hey, Mikey, he likes it." Hey, right, Mikey, right? You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But that commercial is 50 years old. Yeah, yeah. 50 years old, and your brain says, "I got it. I know it had that information at the ready." Yeah. How long did it take you to know what I was talking about? Yeah, that's why it's so important to have Scripture memorized, because if you have Scripture memorized, you then have it stored in the warehouse. 
and Lou and Eddie or Gus yeah. can go get it and bring it to the front desk so you can then uh, wire it <clears throat> with something else and then it fires together. How about at the counter, you know, where the little bell is where you yeah. ring, there's a little plaque that has some of your favorite Bible passages sitting right there. So Amen. as you're at the counter, you go, there it is. Yeah. You know, there's you know, John 3.16. Everybody knows it. And you say, well, that's because it's so prominent. Yeah. You know, yeah. remember the guy was always at the, with the rainbow hair that was at the football games. Yeah. <laughs> and he always got camera time. But you say, what an amazing service he did. Yeah, because he was How John, many, the John 3.16. He was the John 3.16 guy. Mm-hmm. And they go, there he is. He's at another football game. How does he, how does he do it? <laughs> yeah, I know. So there was a, a very wealthy man, William Randolph Hearst. You probably know that. He was a, um, a, a businessman, a newspaper guy. He lived in uh, San Francisco. Uh, yeah. you, you know that name, don't you? Uh, I, yes, uh, we're still in probate trying to get some of that money. Okay, good. But he was a, yeah. he was a, a an avid art collector, and he he called his curator once and said, "I, w- I was looking through this magazine and I, I I saw these like these 14th century Ming vases." And he goes, "I I want you to get those for me." And the curator said, "Fine, I'll 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 go find them." And he called uh, Mr. Hurst okay. a couple days later and said, well, "I've got good news and bad news." He said, "The good news uh, is that I have." found the Ming vases. He goes, the bad news is you already own them. They're, they're in a warehouse. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they're, they're not available. <laughs> I know you already own them just so you know. <laughs> yeah. It turns out, I, you know, I was going to call the guy and uh, see if they were for sale and it turned out it was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I mean, that's just kind of a silly illustration of how much stuff we have in our warehouse and how much stuff we're, we're disconnected to. So, Let's just make sure that we've got fresh scripture verses that we've put to memory, we have in our heart, and that they can be brought to the front desk as fast as possible because when heartache shows up and despair shows up and difficulty shows up, we can we can wire it with another scripture verse and we, they'll fire together. And we've got a little package right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You know, I... I really, when you think about it, there's so much of your stuff that is kind of, that, that go together, that are wired together, um, that uh, the idea of taking something intentionally for that purpose, yeah, that always escaped me. But it, but you, I realize your your brain is going to do this automatically. Yeah. And my, my brain- It's already, going- Yeah. My brain already mixed yeah. up my, my William Randolph Hearst illustration because the bad news is- they're not available. The good news is you already own them. Yeah. Isn't that funny how your uh, brain, my brain scrambled that 50, 50 chance and I didn't even get it right. Well, I actually have an image in my head of a lion balancing a box of life cereal on its <laughs> nose. <laughs> so, all right, here's, here's a great comment that, that came in. God is so amazing. He will work with whatever he wants or needs in order to give you a message. I remember one night I was praying about something and listening to the radio and I was holding the seek button on the radio, hoping that it would land on something that I needed to hear and the song. I will stand by you by the pretenders came on and I just knew it was from God. So, I mean, that's a that's a moment where that experience has fired and wired together, and I don't think this listener will ever forget that. No, I mean, it's it, it, remember where they would said, you know, if somebody's gone through a breakup, they say, "How come I only hear sad songs?" Is it because you're listening to sad <laughs> songs one one hundred and one? 
you should change the station. Yes. Uh, but something like that is, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that song was programmed ahead of time. Yeah. And yet somehow or another, that person found it at the moment they needed it. So true. So true. That's just, that's so amazing to me. Yep. Any I just love stuff like that. Any parting thoughts? Yeah. Uh, usually yes, have one. I, I usually have one. I, um, uh, but, um, I just wanted you to know that today's message was brought to you and we didn't use any dark money. No dark <laughs> money. In fact, it didn't use, it didn't use any money at all. Oh, good. <laughs> just, and, and nor do you yeah. get paid money for doing this. So thank you very much, Patrick. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. You too. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. The Monday afternoon mix is next up. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. All right, it is time for the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Wyatt M. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having Hello, Bill. We have some super, (laughs) unbelievably, wonderfully special guests here. And we're just letting them... Be just okay. nice and quiet. All right. Lovely yeah. question. Yeah, you yeah. won't have them say anything, but just very cool people. Are yeah, here today. I agree. Couldn't agree more. So I'll just wave. Couldn't agree more, David. All right. Let me uh, do a little aside here. A friend of mine gave me this uh, greeting card, which is beautiful illustration by Carolyn Cardle as the artist. And it's uh, it's called as an as is written card. And this mm. is from Matthew 6, 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are they not much better than they? Are are ye not much better than they? And on the t- front of the card, it says, uh, these birds are talking to each other. It says the robin to the sparrow. I should really, I, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly Father, mm. such as cares. For you and me. Yeah. And that was written by Ellie Cheney, who was born in 1480. Wow. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That is really cool. Yeah. So anyway, now welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix. And David, welcome back. You just recently returned from where? Wisconsin Dells? Wisconsin Dells. <laughs> no, where, where was it? There was a D in there. Yeah. So just got back from Dubai. Dubai, from I knew it was The un- I knew it was United close. Arab Emirates yep. here uh, about three hours ago. Wow. And that was uh, nine hours from Dubai to Amsterdam and then the, another seven yeah, so back home. So Nine hours from Dubai to Amsterdam and, and seven hours. And yet there. you come to the radio station to do the Monday afternoon mix. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So missed everybody. Happy to be back. And Aren't you just punchy? I am a little punchy. Okay. I think so. Yep. I'm punchy and I feel peachy and peachy not in a bad way. Because okay. sometimes you say like, how are you doing peachy? And people are like, oh, that bad. I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> peaches is good. And I love peaches and cream. So for me, it's kind yeah. of a sweet thing. So what were you doing in Dubai? Do, do, do I was in Dubai. Um, I was actually doing a certification program on high-performing intercultural teams with a group called KnowledgeWorks. And so I'm an, I'm an intercultural intelligence level two practitioner. So helping people navigate this beautiful thing called culture. And even as you were talking earlier, Bill, um, what I find utterly fascinating is here we are in the uh, Twin Cities. And, you know, speaking of that sparrow, halfway around the 
the globe, where I was just at a few hours ago, God is still there and he's caring for people and providing common grace and the sun comes up and the sun goes down and we have this incredible Heavenly Father who's made this incredible world and not only that, he sent his son uh, to redeem us. That's how much he, he loves us. So, yeah, so I've been spending, um, spent several days there and even had an opportunity to run up to a place called Ras al Common and uh, to see an international school uh, with some people that I knew from Ohio when I pastored. And they have a school there as well as some of the international schools that they have in China. Mm-hmm. And so I had opportunities to speak and do keynotes for their leadership team. Nice. So it was really good to see see people and to you know, see a student that I had in Ohio um, who's now there. And can I just make this little plug about how God uses us in ways that we don't realize and just to be available? Um, this gal, her name was Alana, and one day she came to church and she walked through the front foyer doors, and I was standing at the second doors, and I saw her, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And she's like, good. And I looked, and I'm like, how are you really doing? And she's like, I'm really kind of wrestling with this this thing, a decision about leaving you know, the States and going over to you know, Dubai. And so just prayed for her. It was a super just short period of time of prayer, just, just loved on her. And she would later tell me, like, God used that as just such an instrumental turning point and a place of peace. And again, not wow. saying this because I'm cool. That's not, the, that's not the point. It's the Jesus that's in us by the power of the Holy Spirit who's cool. And when we let God use us just to pray for one another, we never you know, can know really what that impact is and how God wants to use us in one another's life. So today, if, someone lead, if you feel the Lord leading you to pray for someone, you know, do it and commit that to the Lord and just be faithful to him and let him be at work in a person's life because, you know, you never know what it might mean. Mm, for David, that was such a simple gesture. Can I yeah. pray for you? And did you, you, you've said that to a thousand people, so. Yeah, that was, that was the thing that really shocked me when she later told me about it because I was like, that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, because sometimes we, we complicate it. We make it seem like it needs to be these really, like, Dun, da, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, common things. Bill, you brought this up before about the widow and her two mites. Mm-hmm. And she just went along and she just put it in there, but Jesus noticed that. That's right. And so just us being faithful and listening to the Holy Spirit and letting God use us in one another's life in simple everyday things. Mm-hmm. David, when you get pulled out of your environment like you did and went over to Dubai and you just got back today and I'm amazed you came into the studio to do radio with me, but what did you hear from the Lord when you were on that trip? Well, one, just God's love for the world. And like, you know, when Paul talks about becoming all things for the sake of the gospel, uh, there's there's several things. It's a beautiful country with beautiful people. It's very, very, very diverse. It's amazing what's happened in that region in under 50 years from being Bedouin nomad people to, like, literally, I was at 148 stories up in the tallest skyscraper in the world. And, um, you know, you also see how large... God is. I mean, one of the things that happens when I travel internationally, I I come into the realization of how American I am, and it's usually because I'm monolingual. So, like, I know English. Monolingual. Okay. Meaning I only have one language that I know. Yeah. 
So then, I'm not even smart enough to know what that word means. <laughs> me, me either. Yeah. I had no idea what that. So, <laughs> so when I'm sitting with people who are like, "Hi, you know, I speak eight eight languages." I know. It's and it's just humbling. like, wow, that's fascinating. Um, the other thing, Dubai in that region is so ridiculously clean and safe. I've literally never felt so safe in a place. And there's not a prolifer there's not guns a whole bunch of places. And also the people's hospitality, like their care and, and how people would would walk with you. Now over there too, you can get deported for small crimes. Like if you're caught, you know, one of the gals who's Turkish was explaining, like if you are drunk driving, you not only will you get fined, you can be deported. If you steal stuff, like they're that serious about it. And in an interesting way, um, you know, being a chocolate Norwegian, it was really interesting to go into this context, meaning I'm African-American. And literally, as some of my Jewish friends have shared, being in some other countries that maybe have different views towards Jewish people, just feeling a certain weightlessness when I got to Dubai. Like really not feeling the dynamics of kind of an active or passive type of racism or kind of like an anti-blackness or just kind of this like deficiency thing. Um, it was really just, it's hard to explain, but it's such a, it's literally like taking off this backpack. And um, and I was talking to one of um, the people who's a Jewish believer who was working with our group and uh they had asked me about that. And I was like, that's interesting that you recognize that. They're like, yeah, because I've been in settings where I felt this kind of freeing sense. There's some things that changed, too, in Dubai. Um, one of the gals who teaches in one of the universities, she's, um, she's Turkish. And she was sharing with us that there was a period of time where the teachers could not actually acknowledge Israel as a country. And that there were teachers who did who got deported. And that's completely changed now the relationship that uh, Dubai and even parts of that country has with Israel. And um, so that was really fascinating. Uh, the other thing is just the vast amount of diversity there. And you realize truly how, um, you know, also how very colored and very black and brown the world is and walking around in settings and just... There's so many different things. It's it is weird seeing police cars that are Ferraris, and they have Lamborghinis that are mm. police cars. No problem recruiting police officers, is there? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. No, I mean like so. There's a lot of a lot of um, wealth that's from you know oil and stuff like that. Dubai is going to be losing some of their oil, so they're actually building up their whole their whole uh, tourism industry is a big thing. But what we did is that, um, and some of the work that I do, we look at uh, culture. And sometimes the thing about culture, cultures are the lenses that we look through. Because like when we look through our glasses, we're not looking at our lenses. We look through them. So we look at things like honor, shame, cultures, innocence, guilt, power, fear, dynamics. Talk about those three, if you would. So in an honor, shame culture, the focus there is on belonging, you know. And so a big focus on honoring. So like... You know, if you remember some of the some of the martial arts movie and you'd see the samurai and they would actually kill themselves because it was it was better to die an honorable death versus to live a shame. And it was the important part of belonging to a community. So it's more communal, corporate focused. Um, years ago when the Virginia Tech shooting happened on the East Coast, people were surprised in the business world 
because, you know, the president of Samsung and the president of South Korea issued a global apology. And for us in the West, where we have more of innocence guilt, where it's about being, you know, right and being innocent. So we have lots of legal contracts that we like to write up so that things are really clearly delineated. We were confused because people are like, why are you apologizing? Because you've done nothing wrong. Mm. Innocence guilt. But for them, that person brought shame upon their community. Let's save number three for after the break. That's Let's all right. It. You're yep. listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Wyatt M. We'll be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. I'm back with the Monday Afternoon Mix, Pastor David Miles, White M, and uh, we're talking about the three different kinds of cultures. This is interesting, David. So there's the, um, let's review these. You've got they two are, down, one to go. They are um, honor, shame, honor cultures. Shame. Yep. And the focus there is on belonging. Yep. Um, so it's very communal and, and relationship. Then you have innocence, guilt. Yep. And that's really based upon rules. And so the whole idea of being right or wrong. And so there's, everything is, you know, tried very difficult to, 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 to not be seen as wrong. So, Interesting things. Sometimes in working with areas of culture and even some things that happen after George Floyd, people come and talk to me and they're like, hey, David, you know, having a conversation, they're like, David, I never owned any slaves. And I'm like, never said that you did. But that comes out of an innocence guilt culture, a desire to say, I had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. that. That's not me. You don't even have to be right. You just want to be one of the many people that aren't wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and here's the thing. We... In an interesting, unique way, God has all three of these inside of us. We just lean more in other certain cultures. But actually, you can be in a 100% Swedish family, and you'll see these different worldviews at play. My wife is 100% Prussian German, but when she did her uh, three colors of worldview assessment, she leans more honor. She leans more um, honor shame uh, than she does um, innocence guilt. And so... And, you know, so that's one of the dynamics. The third one is power fear. And so power fear, really, it's about survival. So it's the idea of getting closer to power or staying as far away from power as possible. And so when you begin to see in some of the ways that people are navigating in this, you're better able to honor them. I like to say this. Sometimes on conversations, difficult conversations, be it around race and ethnicity, be it around just life and a number of things, I have a feeling that we don't do a good job of honoring people by preparing and equipping them to have these type of conversations. So when they have the conversations, it trips their limbic system and they go fight, flight, or fight, flight, or freeze. It lays a neurological pathway of pain in their mind and they say, I never want to do this again. So what we do with cultural intelligence and cultural agility is we bring people back to our shared humanity, that, we, that we're able to see the various ways that we have a shared humanity, and it, and it equips people so as they're navigating things, they don't get triggered. Because another thing, we will sometimes attribute to character and motive things that can be um, best explained by temperament and wiring. Might it be character and motive? Yeah. 
but it, but it also might be temperament and wiring. One example. In the 12 dimensions of cultural preference, we look at things like growth and communication, or you conceal and reveal. But we'll go with growth. Growth is more leaning towards people or material. So you can have a setting, 100% Norwegian business, and you have a slight surplus, and at the end of the year, your director of IT is wanting to focus and saying, if we really care about the company, we're going to focus on infrastructure. But the HR person, the salesperson is going to say, if we really care about the company, we're going to invest in this training or this leadership thing. Because one person leans towards more material, and the other person leads towards more people when it comes to growth. And how many businesses have had arguments happen in their leadership because one person's like, dude, you're, you know, you're so arrogant or she's just being so picky about this thing. And it's like, no, it's part of uh, a cultural preference thing of seeing how do we best live out growth and that it's not necessarily good or bad. It's different. And what it calls for is a degree of humility in, in, in working and living and loving with one another. It's, it's basically living in ways, living out the one another that scripture talks about in the New Testament's. So those are some things that we help equip people on. That sounds really interesting. Makes me think of the beach ball illustration where people only see the color in front of them. So if I only see red, then I only want to talk about finance. And if Mm -hmm. I only see yellow, I only want to talk about HR. Mm -hmm. So we need someone that can see the whole beach ball. Yeah. And this helps people to have common language. There's a, an illustration or an article that KnowledgeWorks did, and it was on a Department of Defense kind of contract. They were working on this multimillion-dollar project. Well, you had people who had an innocent skill where it was, you know, and their type of communication was very much direct communication. But they were working with a group that they actually do things by indirect communication. And so they were communicating directly with the other person, and the other person was communicating indirectly. Well, when they got done, the one group's like, we've made everything clear. And the other group was trying to respond, but they weren't direct communicators. Guess what? They ended up scrapping a $5.5 million project because what they thought each other was saying. And so these are the ways that we can, we can, we can miss. I work with a neat group of leaders, um, and they had a senior leadership team. And in their leadership team, all their senior VPs they were reveal communicators. So they liked to reveal things. There was one person who was a conceal. And that person often felt bad because they're like, I, you know, I really just don't feel like, like sharing. And they felt they were kind of a, a, a square you know, thing in a round cog. Well, it ended up being that that person was the chief of staff. And we explained to him, like, you're a huge blessing because when the CEO comes to you and they're externally processing, they know that it will never go anywhere past the door of your conversation. And what kind of confidence is that for that person knowing that they have the freedom to externally process and to have really hard conversations and really get things out there and work with it without it leaking? And this person's like, you know what? I never thought of that way. And now they're actually being an even better leader and they're even more serving their their CEO and president. And the other people on the team aren't giving that person really a hard time. They're saying, no, that that's your wiring and that's a gift to our team. And we need you to be you. And matter of fact, this person needs you to be you for us to actually accomplish what God set in front of us. Mm-hmm. So God gives us all gifts and we just need to be ourselves. Yes, and we also need to grow. You know, so that part is like, we want to be who we are. Like God loves in us. God loves us the way that we are. And he also loves us too much to allow us to stay certain ways. So grow in the gifts that he's given us, or are you saying grow 
outside of the gifts that he's given us. Because, oh, I mean, you well, know, he's given everybody different gifts to use, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I was to be clear. So this is, this is a good point of where clarity, and why even um, in my work with our students at Northwestern, I always encourage them to ask questions, ask questions, ask clarifying questions. And the very fact that Jesus knew all things, but he still asked 339 questions in the gospel. Mm. As Bill was talking, and in the 93% of communication that's nonverbal, I wasn't sure if he was getting at, like, okay, if I'm just this way, I don't have to change. And so I was going to say, like, we are these ways, but how do we grow in that? But to your question, Wyatt, yeah, for us to grow in the gifting that God's given us, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God has given you that happened with the laying on of the hands of elders. Um, And I think sometimes it's the beauty of the body of Christ that none of us are an ends to ourselves. Like God has made us to be connected in community, common unity, with Christ being the head. So how different is it when you have a group of leaders— sitting around a table, and something is being shared. And how is it different when one person is looking at this situation and they're saying, "Um, this really isn't going to go well. How do I go about telling that? That's one way. But what is it different when we're sitting at a table and we're having a conversation, and instead of Wyatt being that person saying, how are we talking to that situation, we say, so Wyatt, what are we missing? We need you to speak. And matter of fact, you're at this table for this reading, so we need you to be brutally honest with us because you're seeing this from a perspective that we don't see. And God has you at this table for a reason. What's mm. more inviting? Yeah, it's definitely more yeah. inviting. I'll tell you what we're missing is time because we're done. <laughs> David, thanks. Thanks for arriving from Dubai and showing up here at the studio. It's been a delight having you once again at the Monday Afternoon Mix. Good to be with you guys. Thank always. you. And why? Great question. Great question. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Ken Samples, who's a philosopher and theologian in light of the Middle East War. How close are the Middle Eastern monotheistic religions' views of God? We're going to talk about that with Ken. That's next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.